Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, the nature-based show hosted by me, Jack Perks. Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. Hello and welcome to a guest-hosted episode of The Bearded Tit, the podcast for nature nuts from wildlife camera operator Jack Perks. My name is Billy Heaney and I'll be your host for today's instalment. A bit about me, I'm a zoologist and wildlife presenter with a bit of a thing for badgers and I'm an all-round dolphin dork, which will give you some idea of what today's episode is all about. In today's show, I have the great pleasure of chatting to a friend of mine, Charlie Phillips, who is without a doubt the king of dolphin photography here in the UK. He's also an award-winning wildlife photographer and the field officer for my favourite organisation, Whale and Dolphin Conservation. If you can, there's a link in the description to buymeacoffee.com and you can help the podcast by donating £3 to keep it going. If you could also leave a review, that really helps the podcast out. For the next 45 minutes or so, me and Charlie dive into the underwater world of dolphins. We discuss the joys of Scottish weather and we swap stories of our times watching dolphins together and separately in the UK. Here's our chat. Charlie, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining me on the bearded tit today. Do you think Jack's trying to tell us something? <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think he must be. Yeah, I think his body's swerving this one. He's probably <laughs> lying, lying face down in a river somewhere as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> Getting two other bearded tits to talk for forty minutes whilst he's out. <laughs> he's out looking uh, at other things. Yeah. So, Charlie, thanks for joining me today. So. You're an award-winning photographer, you're field officer for whale and dolphin conservation, and you've been monitoring the lives of bottlenose dolphins here in the UK for what, over 25 years. Mm, yeah, mostly up in the Moray Firth and the, and the kind of northeast coast, uh, as far up as maybe Wick or Thurs or something like that, but mainly, mainly based around about Inverness and, uh, and the Black Isle. So. Yeah, so where did this all begin? How did Charlie Phillips go from, you know, bearded Scotsman to dolphin guru. How did it all come about? <laughs> I didn't actually have a beard when I started this, I'll tell you, and it wasn't it wasn't half as grey as it is now. If I didn't have, um, no, I, I, it, uh, it, it sort of came, it's, it's funny how serendipity comes around, uh, comes around bites you in the arse sometimes, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, um, I used to um, have holidays when I was very, very young, um, when I was about eight or nine, um, away up in the Dornoch Firth, uh, my family had uh, a caravan uh, up on the site at a little village called Port Mahomet. And um, my dad had a little dinghy and they used to go out sailing. And uh, I remember seeing dolphins then when I was really, really young. And I remember seeing these dolphins coming right up to the dinghy and they were nearly the length of the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, these things are amazing. And, and yeah, after that, you know, I, I, I didn't really think much about it, but um, life moves on. And I actually um, was really brought up round about the side. But then uh, after I had a bad accident, I came up to the Moray Firth to recuperate and actually take over a wee business uh, just to, you know, just to mm -hmm. keep myself busy and out of trouble. Yeah. And um, I happened to I happened to look out the cottage door um, one day, and there were dolphins leaping about Cullen Bay, and this was this was like 1988, you know. And I thought, oh god, these dolphins are following me around because I remembered, you know, all the years yeah. ago, you know, up in the Donnacourt. And um, 
I got uh, I got involved um, with a local uh, watch group uh, called Friends of the Moriford Dolphins, and uh, Pete McDonald and uh, Tony Archer and a few others, and it was uh, it was a great wee group, and we started sharing information. It was basically like a telephone network. Where are the dolphins? What are they doing? And yeah, uh, yeah. We, we eventually we eventually set up uh, little you know little uh, talk shows and stuff you know and did uh, you know did, did village halls and that kind of thing with slides. Then it was there was no digital then it was all slides, and um, and we used to go about various groups and uh, you know just basically you know praising the <laughs> praising the, the 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 dolphins as you know the 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 wonderful apex predators that they were. And uh, it went from there, and um, my buddy Tony Archer um, was beginning to think about leasing the old salmon station down at uh, down at Spay Bay um, from uh, from the the Spay Fisheries, and, and also um, the, the the actual building itself was uh, was available for for lease, but it needed quite a lot of work done to it. And Tony was actually thinking about turning it into a little wildlife centre because yeah. you know, we knew there was ospreys and stuff around, but yeah. you could also see dolphins from the you know from the mouth of the spade as well yeah and um eventually tony was was actually working part-time for the highland council as an uh, interpretive officer for a newly opened uh, little uh, research center through at north keswick uh, just at the other side of the keswick bridge mm-hmm. and tony ended up tony ended up spending so much time uh, trying to get the the old salmon station up and running as a as a wildlife center he had no time to actually go through the Inverness to do this job. And in the meantime, I had passed my little news agents business on to my mum and dad because they had retired. Yeah. They, they actually retired by this time. And it meant that I actually got handed a job by literally by Tony's bosses because he actually made a phone call and said, look, I need to step away from this job, but I've got somebody I know that can do it. You know, Brilliant. So he basically knitted me a job. And it was nice because it was it was a little research centre that was run in conjunction with Aberdeen University. They put mm-hmm. a lot of science into it, and we had a we had a, a, a big hydrophone set up in, in, in the Keswick Channel. Uh, with with three different units that you could switch over and you could listen to them. It was brilliant. And I mean, oh, some days it was so, some days it was like this dolphin rock concert going on. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and so I became the interpretive officer in there. I became the full-time one. Um, I, I, I started off job sharing, but I eventually became the full-time guy. And we had some, we, we, we had some, um, some part times and, and and some students, and it was a great, so it was a, it was a great five or six years that I was involved in that. But in the meantime, I had met some uh, members of staff from, as it was then, Whale and Dolphin Conservation Society, yeah. and they would come in. Um, they were bringing people up to the area. Um, on holidays uh, that were called out of the blue, out of the blue holidays. I eventually started taking people over to the west coast and and, and working from Gaylock with a friend of mine. Yeah, and, and it was great. It, it was great fun. So that uh, that that dolphin seal center, uh, as it was, the the, the science. Uh, that was going into it was fantastic. You know, we, we had researchers from all over the world coming to plumb into this, uh, and also you, you could hear seal stuff as well as dolphins. Oh, brilliant! Well. So, so I was getting seal researchers and stuff going in too, and I was giving them a hand if they needed uh, if they needed recording tapes changed at eleven o'clock at night. Then yeah. I lived locally, so I would just uh, and I had the keys. I would just nip in and change the recording tapes and stuff. And yeah. actually, at night was really good for recording because there was much less um, vehicle activity going across the bridge so you were getting less sound transmission coming through 
onto the onto the recording, so it was much much clearer. Got yeah. Uh, the, the, I, uh, the, the the recordings were lovely, and um, but then I mean the 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 sort of technology then was it was okay, but it was still fairly basic. You know, I mean things had to be plumbed in. The, 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 they were either battery operated or you know to try and find a main source somewhere to power a battery pack and stuff. You know, um, but uh, no, it did a great job, and a lot of scientists had great papers that came out of the research there. Nowadays, um, a lot of these machines can be remotely deployed, and they've got battery packs, and they've got um, memory cards that can last for you know months and months and months at a time. Yeah. Um, and we, we actually did a, we, we actually did a, a project a, a year or two back at Channery Point, funnily enough, we had a, a big machine. Aberdeen Uni had a, a big machine deployed halfway between the point and Fort George. There's a big deep bit there, and it's a lovely channel to, to, to get sound, and you can actually uh, get a lot of boat sound there as well. So there was a couple of um, a, a couple of the researchers were using the data in different ways. You were you were listening for dolphin sound, and you know anything else that was <clears throat> going around, but also you could actually tie up um, which type of vessels were uh, in the area too, because they would tie up with the times of my camera images. Yep. So you are actually getting that, plus also any dolphin images that were going around as well. It was really nice. Do you, do you want to hear a little bit of sound? Yeah, let's whack some on. Let's definitely, let's give this a go and see how this uh, right, works okay. on the old Zoom. Right, tell you what then, just give us a wee second here, Billy, and I shall, hopefully we can hear this, okay? Fingers crossed. Now that. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's pretty special. Yeah, that's clicking and whistling. The clicking... Look at that. That's, well, listen that's to that. powerful echolocation. Yeah. So, the, and this was recorded in Keswick at, at Channery Point. Point. Channery Point, round the corner. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this would probably be at a time where they're feeding as well. Do you reckon these are sort of echolocations as they're searching for fish? Mm, yeah, the big, the big, really loud stuff. That's that's powerful, powerful echolocation. That's them actually, actually uh, zooming in on a fish. Um, but there's also whistling there as well, and that's the communication medium that dolphins use between themselves. That, so what that. I do is uh, sure. well, that's not a bad way to spend a Tuesday evening recording a Zoom call, is it? Listening to <laughs> bottlenose dolphins from the Moray Firth. That's pretty it's, phenomenal. It's, it's not bad. So that is that, and if I just stop sharing that now, that'll get us back oh. onto it. There we go. So then, I'm, all, I'm always a little bit nervous about screen sharing because you never <laughs> know what voodoo's going to happen. <laughs> Clear your browsing history, Charlie. Um, so then um, how did you go from, you know, at, the, at this time, you obviously you're doing all the audio tapes and stuff, and you mentioned there you were matching it to your photographs and images. Mm. How did the photography sort of come into play with you when you started working with wdc society as they were back then yeah it it, it, it sort of backpedaled um for a while the 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 dolphin and seal center had a limited amount of visual interpretation um yeah. any of the pictures that we had really were courtesy of the lighthouse field station Aberdeen yeah. university st andrews university that kind of thing yeah and um it was all pretty much um dorsal fin pictures and you know nicks and scratches and that yeah. kind of stuff um about identifying them but there was very few um dynamic social pictures you know yeah. energetic pictures yeah, yeah, yeah. so More i thought, stuff yeah, I, I, yeah, the, 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 there wasn't a great deal of that. 
So I thought to myself, well, mm, I'll, I'll, I'll go and get myself a camera and see if I can get anything because yeah. there was nothing really forthcoming. Um, I had to be, you know, I had to watch what I was doing because I was employed by what is now the, the, the Highland Council. So I had to you know, follow some rules. Yeah, um, but I said, look, we've we'll got very little pictures here. You know, any, any chance, you know, when I've got a day off or something like that, I could go and try and get slightly better pictures than what we've got. And I was just given a free range. So yeah, fine, yeah. go for it. You know? nice. And so I ended up, I ended up buying some half reasonable equipment, but it was all second hand. You know, really, yeah. it was it was old Canon, you know, Canon um, cameras and 300 2.8 lenses and that kind of stuff. Because I, I didn't have enough a lot of money, and um, started that. And the, the, the pictures gradually got better. It was all in slide film. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the pictures gradually got better. And as we rolled into the 2000s and, uh, you know, the 2003, I think it was, I changed over from, from film to digital and yeah. basically haven't, haven't really looked back since, you know. And, and I mean, the, 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 the pictures that I was able to get fairly early on um, were, were reasonable enough for people to actually want to borrow them and use them and stuff, you know, and, and get a few in magazines and that kind of thing. So that came to the attention of, um, of uh, one or two of the staff from WDCS uh, as they were yeah. then. And so we started talking and um, they wanted me to uh, possibly start doing a little blog for them now and again. And if I could, you know, throw a wee picture and you know, every so often that would be great, you know. And yeah, it was yeah. it, it, it was called Charlie's Diary. And it was a great, then it was, it was actually quite a nice idea because it could keep people informed of what was going on um, when they maybe, maybe couldn't get on holiday to come up and see the dolphins or whatever. Um, because by that time, the dolphins were getting really popular round about Keswick and Channery Point and up and up and Cromarty as well. Yeah. Um, so we had, uh, we, we actually had quite a nice audience for that kind of thing. But then I was, uh, I, I was starting to get emails flying about asking me to make this kind of situation a little bit more permanent. And they knew that the Dolphin Centre, uh, that my contract with the Highland Council was coming to an end. So they started taking me on as a as a, 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 a consultant, you know, sort of local man in the ground type. Of yeah, thing. okay. And uh, yeah, it just, it just went from there. And one day I was summoned down to lovely Chippenham. And, uh, around the corner from me. Yeah, just, just around <laughs> the corner from you. Um, went to Chippenham and uh, was given a tour of the place and basically lashed to a chair and given a pen and told to sign on the dotted line. And I ended Amazing. up, um, I ended up signing up for um, the adopted dolphin field officer um, yeah. post. That is the adoption, the, the the dolphin adoption program has always been a big uh, money spinner for the charity. And, of course. Uh, Nowadays, you know, they, they, they do the, the, the adopt an orca and the adopt a humpback as well, but they adopt the dolphin one and um, you know, pulls in a fair bit of money. And uh, I was the man on the ground, uh, you know, our man in, you know, our man in, you know, in, in Inverness type thing. But also at, at that time, um, I was also um, getting fairly heavily involved with British Divers Marine Life Rescue. Yep. Um, so I was sometimes going to strandings or to rescues or just picking up you know, dead carcasses, you know, the dead bodies, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I was yeah. I was actually gaining quite a lot of experience and um, <laughs> some of it bitter experience. <laughs> some of it bitter experience, some of it nicer than others. But there yeah, you go. Um, but, you know, you, you gain experience as you go along, as you very well know. And uh, yeah. some of the things you see are, you know, geez, yeah. 
yeah. you wake up, you wake up screaming during the night, kind of thing, you know. Uh, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. other times you have the most amazing experiences, especially with you know with the likes of whales and dolphins, because they're such intelligent, sentient animals. You just don't know what's going to happen next. And I think that was one of the things that I, I get asked very very often is you know. Oh, why, why do you love whales and dolphins? What, you know, yeah, exactly. What, what keeps you doing? You know, what have you read you my crib sheet? Who, that was, you know, well, <laughs> you read in my crib sheet because that's that's the next question. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, oh, I was. Oh, well, well, yeah, no, oh, he's ruined it. He's, I tend to get. I, I tend <laughs> to get asked. I, I tend to get asked this quite a lot. Isn't it? Well, it just seems point. to spring up. Eh? It just seems to spring up. Well, I was going to say, you know, you've been doing this for, you know, you've been photographing dolphins for, you know, twenty-five years, and you know, yeah. Inverness, it's quite a long way up the country and it's not known for its tropical climate or its, uh, you know, mm-hmm. full, full sun. And that you may, I've been to Shannery Point. Well, I've interviewed you a couple yeah, of years ago yeah. in June on Shannery Point and it was heckin' freezing, wasn't it? And I just, <laughs> and that was the middle of the Scottish summer. So I was going to yes. ask you before I've been, you beat me to it. What, you know, what keeps you going there day after day photographing these dolphins? The bottlenose dolphins themselves have unique characters. They are highly individual yeah. uh, animals. You know, there's p- p- when some people look at dolphins, they just see dolphins, and yeah. it's the same as any wildlife, Billy. You know yourself. If you can slow down and just look properly and yep. watch carefully and observe uh, then you're going to see differences that make one animal completely different from another one although they might look superficially similar yeah. you, know, you will see differences and that's the great beauty of the the, the dorsal fin um yeah. recognition uh, you know for for, for uh, identification purposes but they've got characters as well they're yeah. not just yeah, it's not just scratches and bites out the fin that you're looking for. You're also looking for characters as well. And they have this amazing sense of humor and they can take the piss out of each other just as much as we can. And they can fight. They can have friendships. They can have decades long friendships. They can yeah. battle like hell um, during the kind of, you know, the sort of mating season and about July, August. Yeah. And you can have some of the males taking lumps out of each other. Yeah. But then, you know, a couple of days later, you'll see the two of them swimming along, best buddies, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and th- th- these kind of alliances and things, I mean, th- you know, your fundamental tool of being able to identify them lets you know that it is the same dolphins that you're watching. And you can put a name. You can put a name or a number to the, you know, to, to, to the face of the dorsal fin. But it lets you just lift the lid a little bit. You can yeah. lift the lid on their lives just this little bit and you can see into this special world that they have and it just that's what gets me going first thing in the morning apart um, from very strong uh, apart from very strong coffee with three sugars in it, you know? yeah. <laughs> but um but the thing is that i don't know what i don't know what each day is going to be like i might be out in a boat i might be down at channery i could be yeah. at Keswick, i could be up at cromarty i could be going helping with a stranding somewhere you know and you just never know what's going to happen but basically it's it's like a soap opera it's like a soap and if you keep you know keep watching uh, in the same area for a length of time you're going to get to know the characters of the soap and you're going to get to know you know who does what when who how you know all this kind of stuff and it just it 
I was going to say it changes, but it doesn't change, but it does. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the characters are still, the, the, most of the characters are still there. You lose some, you know. Yeah. Sadly, you do lose some, but then you get the new ones at the other end of the conveyor belt coming in and they're starting their lives and you're getting these young characters coming in and they're making their way through the hierarchy of the dolphin, uh, the, the, the dolphin society. And it's brilliant watching them um, find their way. Watch- yeah, 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 and and just finding their fins and and yeah. and well bottle those dolphin society, and if you begin to understand a little bit about what's going on, you you've got to you've got to be very careful about over interpreting stuff. Yeah. You, you you know you you don't want to start sounding silly, you know, and, and a, a bit too um, a bit too airy fairy, and uh, that's you know I prefer to go down the kind of scientific route and just watch and just observe and tell people what you're seeing not what you think you see yeah exactly (laughs) and that can be an important bit you know don't don't get too out there with it you know don't get too left field but you've always got to be open to new ideas because dolphins can just tear the rule book up they are mm. experts at it, and they've made me look an absolute arse on more than one occasion, believe you me. Yeah. Well, most um, of the times I've spent with you, when I've actually been with you at Shannery Point, we've seen NAFL, and usually you're like, ah, they were here yesterday at this time. And then they, and I've had that when I've taken people to, you know, regular spots where, you know, for, for a little while you can sort of predict if they're feeding at different times of the tide. And I've had this in Cornwall where I remember we were working, mm, yeah. I, was, I used to work for the National Trust down there. And for about two weeks, one April, the dolphins were doing new cutis and Ives and back every single day with a shift of about, mm, yeah. about a shift of about 45 minutes for the tide. And I remember I was listening yep. and, and it was just, doing the same route up and down. And I remember saying to a girl called Holly, I was like, you see dolphins today. She lived in Cornwall all of her life, never seen a dolphin. And I said, about three o'clock today, mm. you'll see one. And they actually listened to me that day because at three o'clock, they swam straight past the headland. But it was a complete fluke. And then obviously then, <laughs> and then I don't think I've seen them there ever yeah. since. It's sort of, um, but that's the thing about bottlers. Mm. I sort of, I agree with you. There's something very special about them. You know, I've been quite lucky. I've, been on the I've been on the bow of a boat with you know common dolphins bow riding or Atlantic mm. Atlantic spotted dolphins dusky dolphins and overseas but there's something about a bottlenose dolphin when it turns and eyeballs yeah there's just mm, yeah. all dolphins are intelligent and for me it just seems that yeah. bottlenose is that one step up that there's something else there's there something as well. going on yeah, and I, there's and something just, else yeah I've had a one a very mm. memorable occasion where I had a GoPro on a metal pole over the side of a boat, just trying to get some, you know, some underwater footage. And then mm. all of a su- sudden my arms v- vibrated and sh- shook. Mm. I sort of looked down and like the pole wasn't touching the boat. Cause at first I thought it would just, you know, mm. came from the side of the boat, you know, vibrations from the, right. boat and the engine. But then I realized that the pole was completely out in the water, not touching anything. And as I'm thinking this, this dolphin just turned and looked at me and then mm. swam off and then, battered a barrel jellyfish out of the water um and then i can only like think it echolocated the camera and it went reverberated up my arms which was just mm. and, then it, and then it looked at me as if to say got you and then swam mm-hmm. off and it was just yeah. pretty phenomenal actually yeah well some of that sound i played you um the the really loud echolocation you can sometimes hear that if you're sitting in a boat yeah you can hear uh, with the engine switched off you can actually sometimes hear that through the hull yeah. Depending on what the hull's made of, you know. Uh, or acoustically, they're, they're absolutely incredible animals. Absolutely yeah. incredible. We were doing a survey out of Nuki one, one day, and we were on a catamaran. 
and I was talking to the skipper. I think we're having a cup of tea. We're going like fairly coming down the server. We're coming back into the harbour. But I think we were just having a drink and having a chat. And he was like, there's bottlenose dolphins under the boat. Couldn't see mm. any. Could, couldn't see anything. No. Hadn't seen anything. And he's like, I can feel them. I, I, was, I was like, and he was cold. And I was like, what do you mean you can feel them? Like, <laughs> you can feel them, man. You're, yeah, you're in the cabin. And then uh, he was like, no, I, they're whacking. Ah, I can. And he was like, they're mm. whacking the hull of the boat. And he was like, go look over mm. the top. And then they had like a little and I looked over the bow and all of a sudden this dolphin came out from underneath the boat there's two of them and I was just like mm. bloody hell like and he reckoned they were banging the hull of the boat mm. like, speed up speed up and then they started mm. bow riding it was just yeah it was just phenomenal um so we were saying you're sort of talking about individuals and you're seeing their characteristics and you know you're seeing those young ones come through um through the conveyor belt of do- and finding mm. their place in dolphin society yeah yeah well actually that the, what you were saying about the dolphins coming up and actually you know knocking yeah. the side of the boat and stuff i mean that that actually times in beautifully with yeah. my my favorite dolphin uh you, you're just going to ask me who my favorite yeah, yeah, dolphin yeah. is um she's a, a female called keslet uh, yeah id433 and i've known her for decades um i've known her ever since she was tiny yeah. And she used to she used to spend a lot of her time in the Keswick Channel with her mum, who was called Kess. Yeah. Um, ID, uh, uh, and 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 uh, she, she she was wonderful. She actually had scoliosis. She had quite severe scoliosis. Uh, the old Kess, and um, uh, Keslet was brought up in the Keswick Channel, and sadly, uh, Kess died when when Keslet was four years old. Quite young um, in dolphin's life. Yeah, fairly young, but yeah. she was independent. She had a big brother that was going about uh, as well at the same time. But, you know, dolphins have this social system and they have friends and they have relatives and stuff. And um, she was as right as rain. She was absolutely no problem at all. And I kept seeing her again and again and again. And I really had, I really had this funny bond with her. It was, it was, it was really, really amazing. Probably because I'd seen her from when she was so young. But even more nowadays, um, her uh, son, uh, who was born in two thousand seven, um, he was. I, I had the great honor from Aberdeen University of actually having a dolphin named after me, which is most unusual. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's called Charlie, um, ID number 1025. And I've literally seen him you know, since the first week he was born. And uh, what a brat, what a brat <laughs> of a dolphin, utter brat of a dolphin, you know, really. And he's like that with boats. He comes up to a rib that you're in and he'll rub himself right up and down, right up and down the, the, the rubber sponson. I sometimes go out with uh, with um, Eco Ventures from Cromarty, you know, Sarah and the gang at Thimbu, who we've been out with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant boat trips, but also um, the likes of uh, North Fifty along at along at Fintorn, and then uh, my friends at Inverness Marina, um, Dolphin Mischief and Dolphin Spirit, and we've uh, I, I've actually been out with the Dolphin Spirit quite a lot uh, on, on the rib, which is called Mischief, yeah. and we go past Channery and we head uh, up towards uh, Fort George and out uh, over towards Nairn. And yeah. Charlie Charlie knows that because that boat is um, is moored in the marina, he knows the engines of that boat so well yeah. that he knows that that boat's not going to do anything stupid. And he'll come right over to it and he'll literally be rubbing himself up and down the rubber. Punters <laughs> on the boat think I've got a whistle. 
to actually bring him over. I said, look, I don't. You know, I don't have a whistle. No, no, no. This is this dolphin doing this because he wants to do this. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people can't believe that this is there. Oh, but how can the dolphin remember? I said, because it's got a bloody big brain. It's got a bigger brain than I've got. You know? Exactly. So, so that type of thing, yeah. And that, again, is some. Is, is, is another part of what I was saying about no two days ever being the same because yeah. I mean you know yourself I mean we've been out we've been out together a few times and there's been absolutely hee-haw going on you know yeah uh, and then the next time you know there's dolphins all over the damn place and it's yeah. uh, it's it's an absolute three-ring circus so that's that's another reason why um you you just live for the day and just see what happens and every day's every day's a school day as far as I'm absolutely. concerned because you might think you know um, you, you know quite a lot about uh, about whales and dolphins, but there's nothing like wild animals to teach you a new trick or two, and no. probably show you something that you've never ever seen before. So, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. That's I've had days, and this is sort of the joy of UK marine life. We've got some fantastic marine life on our doorstep, which I think often gets overlooked. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, brilliant. I've had those days where you're out at sea for four to six hours and you barely see a gannet let alone mm. any, anything yeah. else another day tell me about it tell me about it and then when you got a tour uh, sort of a, a boat full of tourists and you're trying to say well mm. yesterday, yesterday we had this and then you know mm -hmm. we, we go around the corner here there's every chance you'll see but then there's yeah. been other days where it's just like an episode of blue planet and it's oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so then absolutely yeah with regards to, um, and obviously with your career photographing bottlenose dolphins, it's not, but you're not just a one man band with dolphins. You're sort of a jack of all trade when it comes to wildlife photography. Um, and you spend quite a lot of other time photographing other critters. But one thing I was going to ask you is, you know, you spend a lot of time in the Murray Firth photographing bottlenose dolphins. Your book's phenomenal. Mm. Uh, and obviously in for whale and dolphin conservation as well. But is there a particular encounter with another species of whale or dolphin that you've had whether that's in the uk or overseas that is that is the one that that moment there mm. if you could go back and relive that now what would it be oh yeah without a doubt and i think i've actually mentioned this uh, in on the rising tide it was the, yeah. it was the only chapter in the book that wasn't about bottlenose dolphins and it was uh, many years ago as part of the kind of job you know i was fairly new in the job with wdcs yeah. Um, but I was also, it was also a bit of a crossover with BDLMR as well, you know, British divers. And um, we got word that there was a, a sperm whale seemed to be in trouble. It was wandering about very near a fish farm okay. on the Isle of Skye, um, uh, Loch Einart, I think it was. And uh, it's between Broadford and Portree, and there's a big fish farm there. And this big, apparently, it was quite a big animal. Yeah. And this uh, the this sperm whale was it, it was it was nearly Christmas. I think it was like the twenty third <laughs> or twenty fourth of December, you know. And the weather was starting to get pretty pretty damn wild. And of course, you know, Muggins here was the guy on the spot. Oh, can you just nip to Sky? Oh yeah, I, I, from Inverness. Yeah, like okay. Ten minutes in the car, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you know, an hour and a half to two hours later, you know, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're crossing the Sky Bridge. Um, but uh, I managed to get up and have a look uh, from land um, at this animal, and it, it was, it was blundering about, and it looked pretty thin. Yeah. And um, thankfully, we'd made contact with the wonderful Peter Fowler, who used to run boat trips from, uh, from uh, Armadale Pier, 
and uh, a really nice guy, an absolute rascal, but a great, great guy. <laughs> and he actually brought a small uh, inflatable with an engine on the back of his pickup, yeah. and we launched it. Uh, and by this time, there was police and stuff, you know, uh, actually standing watching us. And uh, we explained what we were doing. I said, no, I said, I said I've, I've got a camera around my neck. I said, because I, I need to go out and assess the health yeah, um, this animal, this yeah. animal and see just to see whether we had to call out the full Thunderbirds, you know, the outfit, you know, yeah. um, or whether it looked as though it was maybe going to go back out itself. And uh, oh, dearie me, um, you were <laughs> you were out in a bit of water in a very, <laughs> in very, a very small boat. inflatable, yeah, very very small inflatable with a small engine. And uh, Peter was great; though. he was absolutely great at handling it. And um, we managed to follow this animal. Uh, around for a couple of minutes uh, just to allow me to get a few pictures. We didn't want to go too close. We didn't yeah, want yeah. to startle it, you know. But this wee engine was very, very quiet, and it didn't seem to elicit any response from the whale at all. And I could see, uh, the, you, know, you know, the great big heads that whales, the sperm whales have. Yeah. But it actually went down at the back, and all the fat at the back of the head was missing. It had actually metabolized a lot of this. Right. Um, it was actually running on empty. It hadn't yeah. had food for a while, and it was dehydrating as well. Yeah. And of course, blubber's made up of water. You know, blubber's got a lot of water in it, and this is what happens when when whales and dolphins aren't well, and there's something going on. They can quite awfully, if if they're not eating, then they're dehydrating at the same yeah. time. And the minute they start dehydrating, that starts this cascade downwards, uh, and it's it's never a good story. So I managed to get uh, a few um, pictures in failing light and then a, a, an approaching storm, really. I've never been so, never been so cold in my life. <laughs> <laughs> how, I held on, how I held on to that Canon 1D Mark II and that 70-200 lens, I have got no idea. I, to this day, I don't know why that camera didn't end up in the drink. <laughs> uh, but we managed to get back on shore and uh, the animal was tracking. It was doing the same thing again and again and again. But while we were quite close to it, you could actually hear it clanging. It was out. making this clanging. It was just, it was, it was, you know, constantly clanging. And that's what they do when they're echolocating. Yeah. When they're echolocating in deep water, uh, they actually send out this very, very powerful pulse of echolocation. And it sounds for all the world like Big Ben going off, you know. It's really, that boom, loud? You know, it's that loud. And you could actually feel it. Yeah. You could feel it. You know, we weren't in the water with it. We were in a rubber dinghy, but you could actually feel it at the side of this, uh, at the side of this animal. It was incredible. And I'll tell you, for a couple of days after that, I wasn't much company at all. Um, yeah, just... I, I was just away in a world of my own. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever ever done or seen uh, in my life was be with this big, big animal. Yeah. And thankfully, it did make its way back out. It didn't get entangled, which is one of the great things uh, at the moment that we're trying to make people aware of is yeah. entanglement in fishing gear and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Thankfully, it didn't. And it made its way back out of the sea loch, back up the coast of Sky, and hopefully up north to where it would find food and through the food that would find uh, rehydration and hopefully you know it, yeah. it would pick up uh, it would pick up a condition again but it's one of the most amazing things that i've ever done it was, it was just be with this huge animal i mean it, it was a full adult big big adult male enormous well. thing you know yeah biggest brain on the planet you know just wow bang you know yeah you're not going to top that anytime soon are you no no not much no not for me anyway no <laughs> <laughs>
And once again, you've led on to my next question, like effortlessly, which is, and we started talking now. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I sent you these before, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, we started talking now about, obviously, yeah, net entanglement at the minute is a, and sort of is a major threat to our UK marine, well, all marine vertebrates, as not just mm. whales and dolphins. It's, I've seen it yeah. all over the coast with, you know, grey seals stuck in frisbees and, uh, you know, ghost nets and et cetera, mm. et cetera. The list goes on. So, Apart from net entanglement, you know, obviously we both quite aware of what's going on with our UKCs, but you know, what are the other big threats right now that are currently facing our UK whales and dolphins? You know, we've got marine pollution and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. But then with that, what would you recommend people at home listening can can do to help those animals? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that we are seeing, um, especially with coastal um species like yeah. bottlenoses, um, the food supply um is getting less and less and getting very very patchy in certain areas and we don't know whether this is because of overfishing it probably is due to overfishing um mm-hmm. but it's also indiscriminate um mm-hmm. but it's also indiscriminate overfishing it's not uh, it's not targeted fishing that's going on it tends to be pretty indiscriminate and this is wiping a lot of stuff out so it's impacting lots of species yeah uh, we're basically strip mining you know we're actually strip mining uh, the, the, the 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 seas that we have around our around our country and um, this can lead to all sorts of problems. Um, people are beginning to see, and like I said, you guys down there on the south coast, and and mm. uh, and yeah, uh, there you're beginning to get regular visits from you know tuna and stuff. You know, and it's beautiful big fish. You know, absolutely they are stunning. I'm lucky to have seen them three or four times, and I mean, never got a decent photograph. Yeah. But as soon as it's happened, it's like, because with dolphins, you can kind of predict, once you, if they're mm. around, you can kind of predict yeah. where they're going to come up. With these guys, it's just like a buffalo launching itself out of the wow. water. Wow, I'd, 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 I'd love to come down and join you in one of the boats out there yeah. and actually have a go at those, because what beautiful fish. They're Absolutely incredible things. Was a couple of summers ago, I was out and I was, I remember we had common dolphin and tuna feeding on the same bait ball, you know, gannet. This was one of those blue planet days, you know, gannets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Common dolphins are there. And I remember I was on the bow and it was probably between 10 and 20 meters away. This bluefin tuna just threw itself out of the water and it was just, I mean, I won't won't repeat what I said. Um, No, I bet. (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Exactly. But just a completely stunning animal. But the the worry is, you know, people are probably, you know, overfishing and stuff. They're, they're finally making a comeback in our waters. It's kind of what we don't want is them to then bugger off again. Yeah, but people are asking quite often, why are we beginning to see these species coming uh, more regularly to yeah. the coastline? And it's possibly something to do with global warming. We're beginning to get the waters warming up. And the food uh, density tends to be where the water is uh, colder and everything's moving north. Everything just seems to be moving north. I mean, we've got a prime example just now. Um, We've got quite a few of our dolphins have scattered from the Moray Firth area. And we don't know why they're doing it. We don't know whether it's maybe um, you know, salmon, you know, the, the the terrible state of the salmon uh, stocks at the moment, yeah. um, which is why dolphins normally come down to like the Channery Point. It tends to be in the summer, you know, spring, summer, autumn. Yeah, it's the it salmon tends to be for the, yeah, It tends to be for the salmon. But there's very, very few salmon left and the dolphins have got to go and try and find other things. So we've had dolphins uh, have broken away from the main uh, population and from their core areas. And we've discovered Discovered them. Uh, we've even got a couple of dolphins down in Weymouth and Dorset. There's a pair down there, isn't there? There's a couple down there. Yeah, aye. Yeah, that's honey in our calf. 
<laughs> I photographed them in 2018 just off Channery Point. Yeah, yeah they've yeah. been they've been in the press quite a bit this summer, haven't they? Been spotted. Uh, they call, I think they called them Wills and Harry or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tom Brereton, uh, uh, yes, uh, w- w- was very kind and sent me some decent ID pictures. One of his guests, um, they, they were out uh, doing a nature trek uh, holiday uh, yeah. in one of the boats. And um, one of his guests uh, took uh, a, a couple of pictures and posted them up on Twitter. And I just happened to be flicking through Twitter and I thought, wait a minute, I recognise yeah. that dorsal fin. Because her calf has got a very, um, ID 1212's got a funny buckling at the back of the dorsal fin. I just thought, wait a minute, yeah. that, that looks familiar. And I just I asked Tom to send better pictures if he possibly could. And bang to rights, absolutely bang to rights. There's honey and, uh, and her calf. Uh, quite the thing and we've also had dolphins uh, pretty much uh, all the time now off the coast of Ireland as well yeah we had, a, we had a we, we had a group went to Ireland for a while and some of them came back but some of them didn't uh, including uh, one of our adoption females uh, Moonlight and she uh, ended up off the coast of the Isle of Man she's quite often seen from Peel Beach uh, and she's got a calf with her as well. But then some of those dolphins that were there, some of them did come back, some of them didn't. And I think some of them have continued on a, on a bit, uh, as a sort of continuation of the journey. Yeah. And we also had uh, we also had dolphins uh, that we know from uh, just off the coast of Holland. And that same group, part of that same group have come back, part of that group there that were seen off Holland have actually headed north and they're off the coast of Denmark now. That's just yeah. the distances they're covering is just vast, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, it's, it's it's thousands of miles. It's not it's just you know, a couple of hundred miles. It's actually thousands of miles. Yeah. But the thing is that, I mean, that, that that's the beauty of whales and dolphins because they have uh, all the tools at their disposal, like, you know, echolocation and you know, unihemispheric sleep and all that kind of stuff. They can yeah. travel almost relentlessly yeah. uh, and it doesn't take them long to get anywhere. And that's what we forget. So that was like um, John Coe again pops up. I mean, John Coe and Aquarius, the, the orca pop up every now and <laughs> yeah. then. But it was just this summer because it was the week before I went back down to Cornwall for a week. He was They were spotted off uh, the Minac Theatre, Porth Kernow in Cornwall. Mm, and yeah. it was something daft to think within two weeks they were off the Isle of Skye. It's just... I, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had I had John Coe and his big buddy Aquarius yeah. uh, keeping me company at Channery. Uh, a couple of Januarys ago, that was crazy. Yeah, I remember Absolutely. seeing your pictures on Twitter because yeah. that was some some day Ooh. blowing a hoolie, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't it just? I couldn't stand <laughs> up. I had, to, I had to lean against the car just to use a lens. It was <laughs> it was mad, absolutely mad. But I mean, what a what a thing to see! You know, it's like wow. <laughs> yeah, and then um, so obviously we're talking about obviously this is one thing I'm sort of campaigning with you guys with WDC at the minute is, you know, and we won't go into too much detail about it because we'll keep it lighthearted, but we're talking about the distances that these animals are undertaking. And obviously, and then I'm sort of working with you guys on like ending captivity and everything, which well and dolphin conservation are doing so well. Um, Mm. And there's lots of things that people listen. If you are interested, you can do, you can head to WDC's website and there's a lot of information there, what you can do to help, you know, Mm. don't, don't buy a ticket, you know, go with, uh, you know, reasonable and eco-minded tour companies that don't promote these attractions and stuff like that. Um, but is there anything else that people can do listening to help dolphins, particularly here in the UK? Um, watch what you're flushing down the loo and watch what you're pouring down the sink, because that all 
you know, helps uh, water yeah. quality and water quality around the UK uh, has come into the headlines just recently, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, we won't go too deeply into that because it's not a very nice subject, but, um, but that kind of thing, um, you know, habitat quality is, is extremely important, you know, and where you have um, indicator species like dolphins and yeah. seals and otters and that kind of stuff, you know, you, you got to, um, you know, cherish what you have and just look, look after the place if you see any litter on the beach and you know, for god's sake pick it up you know and yeah. don't don't dispose a litter in a uh, in a stupid way to begin with uh, that, that would certainly help but certainly the litter problem is a big one uh, and there's a lot of people getting involved in that but also um being selective about where you get your seafood from yeah and, you know, don't support trawlers or dredgers or anything like that you know try, try, try and support the wee local guy that hand you know the the, the hand picks uh the langoustines and you know the, the the scallops and that kind of stuff you know yeah. don't, don't uh, try not to um try not to believe um some of the kind of pr bullshit and just look at the packaging carefully yeah. if you're in a if you're in a shop and it's packaged then look at it very very carefully and see what it says um but also just love nature a little bit more yep. just love it a bit more uh you know we're living in a kind of crazy world now and and the, the, nothing's very certain so but there is something certain and and that's that nature's brilliant you know yeah <laughs> that is that is without doubt and i'm sure you and i are in complete agreement about this nature is brilliant and just show a bit of love and if you can volunteer uh if you can volunteer with one of the local uh, wildlife groups if you can maybe even go on one of the training courses with British Divers Marine Life Rescue. Yeah. Uh, obviously, support the charity, you know, um, you know Whale and Dolphin Conservation, either as an adopter or uh, you know, just give them some money, really. Yeah. Um, then, that, then that gives us the power to uh, actually do things, not only in this country, but, um, but all around the globe. But just care, care a bit more, just love a bit more. That's what well, we need to do. Exactly. Thank you. Um, well said as well, Charlie. So <laughs> I was going to say, we're screaming through time. I'm going to just I'm going to ask no. you one more. Uh, God, I could talk yep. to you all night, but I'm going to ask you <laughs> one more question before we uh, before we start wrapping up. So, yeah, you know, published photographer, phenomenal chap that I like to call you the king of dolphin photography here in the UK. <laughs> but I was just going to say, have, <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I do. That's what I've saved you in my phone. Um, yeah. But I was just going to ask you, have you ever photographed an inanimate object? Um and then posted it on Twitter, convincing the world that you and Billy Heaney have discovered a previously unknown <laughs> whale new to science. Have you ever done something like that? <laughs> Me? No, no. no. You're that, so, was you're... That, was, that was a scream, wasn't it? That was, <laughs> that was funny. I mean, from a distance, just so that you're all aware, we and Charlie were on a boat September last year, and we were just catching up about this before we started recording. And... The, the, the all week before I got on the boat, I remember it was beautiful weather. You'd had a perler of a day, two or three days before I came out, dolphins, mm. basking sharks, everything, complete yep. mill pond. As, as, as the UK weather can do, soldiers though, I finally get out on a boat for the first time since lockdown and it is blowing a hoolie down the Moray <laughs> Firth. And then we head out with EcoVentures, had a great time, didn't we? But from it, and I was thinking, you know, I've got to try and prove myself. I've got to try and spot a dolphin, get those eyes back in gear. I used to do this for a living. I can, I can do it again. And then I, lo and behold, I spot a dorsal fin on the horizon. I remember you punched me in the arm being like, what a spot. Sarah was like, 
we were off, weren't we, to get nearer and nearer. And as we got, <laughs> as it was about 100 yards away, I was like, nah, that's acting a bit weird. Mm. And then I was like, oh. and then I realised <laughs> that that dorsal fin also had a twig with a leaf sticking out next to it as we got nearer. And it was a blue <laughs> log, wasn't it? Uh, God, oh, I was seeing this through the lens. I mean, I was I was seeing this through the camera. I was thinking, "Oh, Billy, you're going to get the piss ripped out of you, boy." I'm telling oh, you. Oh dear. So, what's uh, was it? I did uh, later on. I downloaded the picture, and I think I called it a, a log a loggerback whale or something like that. You called yeah, it, uh, yeah, uh, the loggerback uh, whale. Uh, loggerback whale. And I uh, think because the... it was actually. A, it was actually part of a tree that had washed down one of the rivers. Yeah. Uh, and from a distance, I'll give you, I'll give you your due, boy. I'll tell you. Uh, like from a... a distance, it just looked like the little hump that you get on a humpback whale. It was pretty damn good. It was, but it was a distance. And I remember you ta- you tweeted it. I think you put it out the day after or, or that afternoon or whatever. And the, the Latin name you did, Mr. CT Heaney Eye. And I remember my phone blew up and I had a couple of people text me like, mate, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this. And then on the opposite as well. And I remember checking your Twitter feed because I kept an eye on it for a couple of days just to see because some people bit other people were very good and played carried on the joke. But that that did make me chuckle. Oh, well, you've got to have a laugh, haven't you? Of course you have. Um, well, I think, we'll, yeah, that was a good day. That was a good day. Sadly, no dolphins, but we did discover a new species of cetacean mm. unknown to science. So, I mean, you can't ask for more than that again. Well, there you go. You can't. You, you can't. You just can't. You know, there you go. That was a special day. I really enjoyed that. That was good fun. Well, any, any, time, any time spent with you is a pretty good day. Oh, if, I'm, if I get up in the morning and know that I'm going to be meeting you either on the beach or out in a boat, it's not too bad. It's, 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 it's going to be a lot worse. Likewise, and usually it's flipping freezing, so we need to try and go somewhere more warm next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Well, Charlie, it's been it's awesome been catching up with you today. Thank you for coming on, and hopefully everyone's enjoyed it. And you know, I'm trying to get up to Scotland again next year so we can get some. Mm. I need a dolphin fix. I've not seen a dolphin since I was with you last September. That's yep. Look, yeah. I've got the, the shakes. I, I the shakes. Oh dear, I, I haven't got I, my the, the dolphin tremors. It's called. Yeah, it is. yeah, I haven't got my t-shirt on today. That says dolphins, not drugs. I mean, I need to get that printed again. <laughs> yeah. No. Very best wishes to Jack Perks and to all the listeners in the podcast. It's been an absolute blast, and we, we need to do this another time. Maybe even live from the beach. Yes. <laughs> while, we're, give that a while we're watching dolphins, that would be good, wouldn't it? Let's put that in the diary for next year. All right, Charlie. All the best, mate, and um, I will see you yeah. soon. Take care. Keep safe. All the best. Bye now. So that was Charlie Phillips, dolphin guru and just a bit of a legend, really. Make sure you follow Charlie on social media at Dolphin Chaz and also Whaling Dolphin Conservation for all sorts of dolphin and all-round cetacean shenanigans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at at TitBearded and there's now a Facebook page for the Bearded Tit Podcast too. If you've enjoyed listening to my annoying voice for the past 45 minutes or so, then please follow me on social media over at Billy Heaney. If you have any questions, please send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. There'll be more guest hosts taking over the podcast in the not too distant future. So make sure you carry on tuning in. This has been the Bearded Tip Podcast. I've been Billy Heaney. Thank you so much for listening. and I'll catch you later.